0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Pro Podcast. I'm your host, Penda. And today we are joined by Kasha, who is a certified holistic sex educator, somatic sex educator, and sexological body worker. She works individually with clients to facilitate movement towards pleasure. Amen. Okay. Her work is body-based, trauma-informed, and touch-inclusive. So let's welcome Kasha and get this podcast started by first asking, what is somatic touch therapy? please enlighten us
1: yeah great question so we know what sex education is Um, We're educating people about sexuality so I've been in sex education since I was like 18 Um, I started writing blogs I started writing articles for my university I started hosting naked workshops Um, the list of the things that it's very wide and extensive but when it really came down to it in my mid-20s I realized With all the education I had around these really heady, logical things around sex that were really fun. It was like the funnest education I could have had. But when it came down to it, when people were coming to me with their problems, I had such an instinctive urge just to reach out and touch them. Um, And at the time, my, my mentor was like, please don't do that. Please, please go get training. There are people in the world who do these trainings. There, there are ways to do this where you cannot traumatize people further. And I was like, okay, that's, yes. that's a fair note. Um, so I looked into it and I went to receive um, my somatic sex educator's training as well as at the time I did um, my surrogate partner therapy training as well. And so both those modalities, you're interacting with your clients in a level that's not just talking back and forth. It's actually like, okay, well, where in your body are you noticing that? And does that part of your body want to hear anything? Does it want to receive touch? Does it need to move? Does it want to make sounds? So it's really going into the body and presencing the somatic part of ourselves in that therapeutic session space. And to be honest, the work that I've done since I've moved into this field, it's just every day, it's like just like mind-blowingly cool what can happen when you're not cut off from interacting with people in an intimate way and it's not necessarily like we're having a sexual experience all the time it can be like it can be almost clinical but it can also be like an erotic massage like the 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 breadth that's available when you include the availability of touch in the container is really incredible
0: what you said was brilliant because in a lot of my work, I'm always letting people know that sex doesn't have to end in orgasm, that there's such a bigger breadth of exploration and curiosity and things to explore that don't have to end in this very hetero sexual experience, particularly, um, especially for women who maybe have difficulty orgasming. So I love what you said about touch, how there's some, there's a beautiful range between platonic touch and erotic touch and maybe somatic work is exists somewhere within there.
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. So it could be as simple as, you know, someone even learning to articulate how to ask for what they want. And it could be as simple as doing it on their hand, which is not necessarily erotic. Sometimes it can be wildly erotic. Um, but just a simple articulation. of like, okay, will you put your hand on mine and then actually feeling The receiving of the the touch that you've just asked for is huge for some people. And then there's like the, the other levels where it's like, okay, I want to learn how to have an orgasm. I want to stay in my body while my genitals are being touched and interacted with. But I don't want to do that in a partner setting because I'm always feeling my partner's desires and needs and urges that I feel like I'm responsible for. So to be in a setting with someone who you're not in relationship with that way, it can take so much weight off just to be like, okay, I'm going inwards. I'm focusing on myself. We're going to figure out how to get to this place that I want to be without the pressure of a partner present. There's just, there's so much that can happen.
0: Well, uh, yes. And that was one of my questions actually is somatic work particularly or used generally for solo practice, or is it something that can also involve partnered play?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, we get so many people who come to us as individuals, often they're in relationship. Sometimes, I mean, often there's solo people as well who are just like, I have trauma in my past, It comes up in relationship, I want to move through it, I want to work through it before I get into relationship, and I don't know how to do that by myself. Um, sometimes there's people in partnerships who feel stuck, they're just like, I've been married for 10 years, I don't feel any erotic aliveness in my body. I don't know if it's me. I don't know if it's menopause. I don't know if it's my partner, but like, is there another option? Am I going to be sexless for the rest of my life? Um, And we do, I often work, I love actually working with couples. It's one of my favorite things to work with couples. So there is a lot of spaciousness for, for both (laughs) in this work. Um, I would say people who are not partnered, um, there's a bit more capacity for mutuality. Um, so it's not necessarily a hard one-way container. Um, sexological bodywork, if you go to the website, you'll see that it is a strictly a one-way touch container. So the practitioner is always fully clothed in the offering touch to the client. Whereas in somatic sex education, the umbrella term actually came to include more diverse ranges of it could be something as sex work or sacred intimacy or erotic massage where it's not necessarily so narrow where it actually becomes relative to the container. If you have a client who's never been in a relationship and wants to learn how to touch, to figure out how to do that safely within your own body to offer that to them, it's like, okay, well, let's let's help you practice that.
0: Well, it just, it kind of blows my mind because this is not at all the sex education that I had. And I feel like I was gypped. Right? <laughs> um, because this was not... What we were told or encouraged to embrace touch in this capacity or even to bring in an outside person in order to help us open up our minds and our bodies to understand more about pleasure. So I think that the work that you're doing is incredibly important and really lends itself to embracing a more holistic sexual experience because we're oftentimes just conditioned to say like, hey, this is the physical practice but we don't often talk about the mental and the emotional state. And that's a hundred percent a through line that is pretty consistent with conversations whether it's psychedelics or cannabis and now somatic work is like whoa there's so much more to this thing called pleasure and arousal and a sex than we've ever been told and it makes you wonder why have they been hiding this power from us the entire time because it's
1: easier to control when we don't have pleasure in our lives
0: Exactly. And easier to control when we don't understand the power of, of the womb and of, of our flowers, for lack of a better word, but essentially carrying the whole weight of the world in our uterus. <laughs>
1: so it's, it's interesting that you bring this up. And I often when I tell people I'm a sex educator, they're like, oh, so you work with kids? And I actually, I'm like, no, I'm far too inappropriate to work with children. I, I do adult sex education. Um, and it, like, there's something is specific in this when we're coming into these touch containers that like only becomes accessible as an adult once all of that fear is removed from from like that budding teenage self. Like, our entire world is terrified of that. So there's, there's like a level that you can you can get to once you're an adult that is more accessible. like, there's not as much fear. Around it, so there's an interesting mix there. Like, how how do we integrate it more, the somatic piece, into that education without, you know, terrifying the entire world?
0: You know, I don't have a lot of hope as is. (laughs) Uh, You know, maybe Gen Z is going to be the one to just come in and say, "F your system, F your education," because it clearly. Is, has not been advantageous. When should a person seek somatic education? When is the time when you wake up and you're like, wow, I've been stifled. I need this touch. This is, it's not there. I mean, maybe in addition to psychotherapy or other methods, but when is it time to incorporate somatic therapy?
1: Yeah, I would um, highly recommend it for for anyone who feels erotically stuck um, and is not doesn't have the bandwidth or capacity to figure it out by themselves. There's a, there's a lot out there in the world that's like, okay, well, let's get into your erotic body by yourself in a bedroom with some music on and light a candle. And like maybe that works for a handful of people. But for a lot of people, they don't even know the array of options that are available to them. So one of the things that, um, you know, I work for a company called Back to the Body, and they do women's retreats. Um, And women will come into this container and not have a single clue what they want. And so one of the first things is, well, let's try a whole bunch of stuff and maybe you like flogging and maybe you like, you know, having your back tickled, or maybe you like having your hair pulled, like whatever the options are there, you get this opportunity to be like, okay, what haven't I tried? What areas are kind of unique or interesting or intriguing to me? And what are my blocks coming up? Because the blocks are, really what we want to know like what what is your resistance and how do we work through it how do we work with it instead of against it maybe you want to wrestle maybe you want to scream maybe you need to get some anger out before you can even access your eroticism or maybe your anger is part of your eroticism so the the way in semantic sex education that we're able to work with the body and the mind and support this kind of pathway into an erotic life that maybe wasn't accessible before is like really unique, um, and I will say there's something really cool that I've seen come out. We do um, as well as the women's retreats. My my husband and I um, are part of uh, the Apollo Project, which is men's retreats. So there's this this process that happens when people come into these immersion containers where they're leaving their homes and their families, their responsibilities, their jobs, and they're coming to focus on themselves and their pleasure and their own internal alignment, where they're being fed, they're being given pleasure every day, they're being given workshops, they're doing meditations, they're relaxing, where you're doing all of these wonderful, beautiful somatic things that are just like kind of soaking your body in pleasure, that when you leave, you're physiologically a different person. So it's, it's a really incredible thing that I've seen happen all the time, because I'm doing all these retreats. Which is expensive; they're not cheap, but it is yes. very, very cool to witness. Um, and the same thing happens in sessions, just at a, as a slower rate. Like if you're going in one day a week, you're going to have a big somatic physiological shift, possibly, potentially, in session, and that will carry through with you. But the the question then is, like, how do you how do you keep it alive? What changes are you going to make in your day to day to keep the feeling alive?
0: You know, it's interesting because one thing I loved you describing the container, about coming and having your food taken care of and your shelter taken care of, and your water and your basic needs, is about returning to your inner child. And I think that that, for me, I had a day last week where I was so exhausted and very anxious, and I said to myself, "You're tired. Go to sleep." You're hungry. You should eat something. You're n- not being productive at work. Let's just close the laptop. And so I started to parent myself as if I and speak to myself as if I were a child, and I think that that was really enlightening to just say like even as an adult, we still need to always return back to just our basic needs of survival and how we can maneuver through the world in the safest way possible. And I realized just speaking through this, I don't treat myself in that way during my sexual experiences. So do you have any advice of ways to kind of return to your younger self or inner child during sexual practice? Oh,
1: my goodness. I mean, there's there's so many layers here. I mean, when you when you talk about this inner child, like a really common thing that comes up, usually they've had these really big experiences that have happened at a certain point in time in their sexual development. Um, And either it was a negative experience or something that didn't go quite right, or they felt stuck, or it just something happened where maybe they had an experience they didn't want. Um, And what happens is it feels almost like people get erotically stuck in that place. And so you could have like a 40-year-old woman and she's talking about how she can't really access her pleasure. And when you talk to her, you realize that, well, at 14, she had this experience with someone that she didn't want to have and it didn't go the way she wanted it to. And since that point, she's never been able to access her pleasure. And so one of the things that we encourage is like, yeah, in session, can you be 14? Like, can you access that part of yourself? And what does she want? what does that 14 year old self want in this situation? And it's probably not going to be like ultra kinky or ultra sexy. It might just be like, right. Can we hold hands? Can we, can we like, can we just like be close together? Like it might be really sweet Mm -hmm. or cute or right. Or it's like, or can you touch my boob? Like, (laughs) (laughs) and, um, and sometimes like, I mean, it can get edgier and you can go younger and it might just be like, I just want my teddy bear. Right. Like, So what is available in that space can be really, like, it can be big. Um, So when we're talking, like, the actual age stuff, there is, like, age play can come into the equation in a really healing, beautiful way. Um, And then there's also just the, like, okay, well, how do I tend myself as if I were a child? And that really comes down to, like, real-time check-in with ourselves. And this is something that happens with consent, and it can be a really hard thing to practice. But the more often that we practice it, the easier it gets to do it in real time. Where, you know, years away after an experience that you had, you were like, wait a second, I don't think I wanted to have that experience. And the more and more you practice being like, wait, do I want this right now? You might be able to say, can we pause? I'm noticing something's a little off for me right now. I just need to take a breath and check in with myself. Like, can we snuggle for a minute? Or maybe I can do you for a bit while I just figure out what's going on for me. Or I need to get a glass of water. My throat's so dry. (laughs) Or like, more (laughs) lube here. I'm just like, I'm feeling a little dry and like, I need some more. Like, there's so many things of like, how do I caretake for me in this body and this heart in this space with this person? And am I okay?
0: Right. And I think it with that approach, It will actually give people more confidence to actually communicate during sex Um, because a lot of us get a lump in our throat when it's time to say, hey, this doesn't feel so great, or I'm in a little bit of pain, or actually, like, let's just can it and try again tomorrow. And so if you adhere to to the plan that you just kind of outlined, then yeah, maybe it's a little bit easier when you're just actually focused on how you're feeling instead of how the other person is feeling, how you look, this isn't as good as last time, not super wet, you know, all of those variables that are oftentimes a little bit awkward and inhibiting in terms of just being free in the moment.
1: Totally. And that's one of one of the primary things that we teach is that like, we are responsible for our own pleasure, for our own experience of pleasure. Our partners are, are responsible for their own experience of pleasure. And as we come together, we're navigating, you know, my internal world and your internal world and how to navigate those together. But really, my priority is on myself, right? I'm taking, making sure that I'm feeling good, comfortable, safe, and that I have access to my pleasure and that I'm using my voice in order to meet all those needs. Um, and that is, that is a skill set, let me tell you. Ooh. It is a learned skill set. Um, Yes. And so many people don't think that it is a learned skill set. They just think that it's this like innate thing that they don't have. Right. Where it's like, okay, well, that's one of the things that we do in sessions. Like, let's talk about what you want. And I'm going to touch your body and you're going to tell me to stop when it doesn't feel good anymore. And then you're going to check in with yourself and you're going to see if you still want touch. And if you do want touch, what does that touch look like? And so it's this really this practice of being like, no, actually, will you move a little to the left? Will you do it harder? Will you go slow down? Actually, yeah, slow down a lot more. Right, so this like little bit of detail, and you know, it's so funny because I actually I get so much feedback about how much instruction I give, which I, I honestly am like I think I've said three <laughs> things the entire time, but it just kind of goes to show how little other people are giving. Right? It's like actually slow down, <laughs> slower, slower. Yeah, just good. Okay, now now slower. It's often slower. Um,
0: but yes, <laughs>
1: it's, just, it's incredible how. Like we've been conditioned to think that it's inappropriate to say anything during sex.
0: Oh, anything. You just remind me of something because I was a professional dancer formerly. And any time during rehearsal when we would have bodywork practitioners coming in, for instance, if they say, you know, I'm going to hold up your head, like literally release all of the weight in your head. Like I have it release your neck and you think you're releasing and they're like no release more and you're like oh I am Like, no actually give me the entire (laughs) weight of your head and I think like you said we're very conditioned to just I don't know not indulge in actually like fully giving your body or yourself to someone else or even understanding what it's really like to release people think they're releasing, but they're still holding on to whatever tension, whatever trauma they're bringing into the session or into the sexual experience. And it really is difficult work, I think, when you begin to uncover why it's so difficult for you to release.
1: Yeah, I mean, you nailed it, that this like really dynamic equation of like, okay, well, actually, it's it's a lot harder for our bodies to receive pleasure when there's tension. We can't actually fully relax and receive pleasure, then we're, we're kind of stuck in a place it's like you can only have so much before you can actually drop in deeper and yet here we are living in this capitalistic racist heteronormative society where you know you walk out your door and you're you know trying to figure out how to survive every day so it is an ongoing challenge of like okay how 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 can i access pleasure in a world that does not want me to access pleasure and you know that comes back to a lot of minority groups where it it is a lot harder to access that pleasure because to access pleasure, you need to have a regulated nervous system and to have a regulated nervous system, you have to have access to safety. Yes. And that's not true for everybody.
0: Wow. That, I mean, just everything you described in personal experience, I always say it's one thing to feel sexually liberated and free and safe in consenting partnerships in your home but then to walk outside in a world that usually has a lot of systemic barriers that are telling you you don't deserve joy, your body doesn't deserve pleasure, it's it's very difficult to then just, you know, skip around the world and saying like, hey, yeah, uh, I'm happy, I'm joyous, I had great sex last night. You know, people aren't really, some people aren't very accepting of that kind of, power. And I think that's a word that we said earlier, but it's very powerful once you understand the capacity of your pleasure. I also, to the point of your nervous system, this happened to me not so long ago, but I had taken an edible, a cannabis edible, but I was outside for a movie screening and it was freezing. So the edible never really kicked in because my body was like, and we're just focusing on keeping warm. There's no, there's no room for you to have A great high right now, and then as soon as I left and we went to a bar and we were cozy and that first drink hits and then the edible was like, oh, we're in a very safe, warm space. This is when we're gonna kick into high gear. And that reminded me also of what you were saying: is if your body's constantly in fight or flight or protection mode or survival mode, it's not gonna be super receptive to pleasure. And I know in a lot of your work you uh, work with the erotic body can you describe the erotic body what is it
1: you know that's a really interesting interesting question people have there's this the the word erotic brings up a lot for people they think oh it's sex and you know it's not necessarily sex and like today I woke up and my body started bleeding and I'm fighting my child's head cold (laughs) and my mom and I are in a fight and, you know, none of those things feel erotic, like, in a sexy way. None. 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 I didn't wake up and I was like, mmm, today feels amazing. So I, I think when we talk about the erotic body, we're, we're not talking about, you know, sure, yeah, erotic life force flowing through us is amazing and it feels good and we have so much power in those places. But also, like, this human experience Right, it's like how okay, so I'm feeling kind of sick. How do I actually be sick instead of trying to fight through it? Or my body is bleeding, and wh- what does my bleeding body actually want and need in this moment in time? And how can I presence that? Or you know, a fight with my mom. It's like whoa, this is like such a big experience in my body, and just noticing where it moves and how it lives in my chest and the grief that comes up from that. Like those things feel as erotic to me as you know beautiful sexual experiences because when we're talking about the erotic body it's not something that leaves it's something that's with us all the time and it's more about how do we allow ourselves to embody this life experience rather than try and make us feel good all the time because it's not an option it's like can we feel the beauty in the grief can we like feel the beauty in being a menstruating human can we feel the beauty in like parenting a toddler who's been sick for a month and just like, oh my God, the headache is just like, can I be so frustrated and just like the light in that frustration? Um, so I think the erotic body has just like the, the elements of like, can you allow yourself to be human?
0: That reminds me of when someone comes up to you and you've had a horrible day or month or whatever, and they're like, are you okay? And you're like I'm fine, I'm fine. You're smiling, and you're just like grinning through your teeth. I'm fine, and don't pry, because then I will actually lose it. Um. <laughs> when did people actually discover that touch was this beneficial?
1: Oh my gosh, they've discovered it ages ago, and have been keeping it from us. Um, like they know that touch is necessary for infants to to survive. Like it's and who was they? Oh God, scientists, (laughs) the facts and the names are beyond my, my memory comprehension. So the all good doctors at large, (laughs) let's go with that. (laughs) Um, You can read, there's a really great book called touch. The author's name is also evading me, but he goes through like the history and the importance of touch. Um, But when we come down to it, it, like the, the somatic imprint of touch in our bodies is, is great because you're talking about like energy work, right? Like you can you can move energy in your body without even touching a person. But actually when you make contact and our bodies are interacting with each other, there's this really sweet thing that happens where like you feel, you feel, you just feel. And again, that's a part of that erotic piece, right? You just are feeling more. And, you know, that's one of the most interesting things is when well, I have a client come in and they actually don't feel much that it's a very telling sign it's like, okay, well, your body's not online. Let's get your body online. And that's when it comes into like let's wake up your body. What a fun game. Um, but we have been like trained to live just, just from to our sleepwalk.
0: Yeah just, like, life.
1: We live in our heads, in our faces, and we forget that we have bodies. And as soon as like we make tactile connection with like our knee, it's like, wait a second, can my knee feel things? How much can my knee feel? If I go slower, can I feel more? And this is a really juicy piece, is that our body is actually capable of creating more nerve endings. So the more we're Whoa. touching ourselves, the more capacity for pleasure we get,
0: right? Oh my gosh, that's why my clitoris has infinite nerve endings, <laughs> Because I have touched her a lot. Yeah. just If you touched
1: your whole body the way you touched her, then your whole body would be like a clitoris.
0: Yes. I'm into that. Books massage immediately. Books somatic work with Kasha immediately. Oh, uh, yes. Okay. So that's beautiful. And, and also, okay, if we do think about the erotic in a more sexual manner. Yeah. How does your work actually benefit sexual arousal?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, there, are, there are pillars to our work, and I touched on some of them. Um, breath is one of them, right? So how do we – like we can access so many places in our body when we breathe and we're just breathing mindfully. Um, movement. How do we actually want to move in this body, and how does it feel good to move in this body? Sound. When we make sounds, we're stimulating our entire vagus nerve, which runs all the way down into our pelvis. We're expressing, we're opening up our throat, which is attached to our jaw and our pelvis. Um, Breath movement, sound, touch. uh, And then there's interoception. So our internal awareness of what's going on inside of our bodies so this is foreign to some people, right? It's like, why would I even think about that? But like, when you think about your hand and what your hand actually feels like on the inside, it's like, hmm, how do I even notice that, right? It becomes a practice of like, what what is this body feeling today? What am I noticing? How does it how does it need to move? How does it need to express itself? And so when we talk about sex, you know, clients will come in and they get on the massage table. And they, they're flat, they lie flat as a board and they're being touched and they don't make any sounds, they don't make any movements, they don't, they close their eyes and hold their breath and, you know, that's what their sex looks like. So our, my my job, or rather we coax it out, it's like, okay, now it's, we're going to move your body and just like start to move in a way that feels good. Okay, and now it's time to make some sounds. And this is hard for people. Sounds are really hard for people to make. Yes. So, That's a big one. And then it becomes like, are you holding your breath? Because that's another big one. People get close to orgasm and they go, (gasps) and then tense their whole body. So it's a practice of like, okay, now keep breathing and relax your muscles. Your entire body is clenched and relax. So it's this ongoing practice of actually like, can you allow pleasure to exist in your body without trying to race to the finish line? and actually just like move with it. And it's a really beautiful thing and you might have noticed this in your own practice is that, you know, when you're edging, which is the experience of getting close to orgasm and then stopping and then allowing yourself to be like at 8 or 9 out of 10 and just being like, "Okay, can I can I stay here?" And in that place, you notice your body's like you can't see me because this is a podcast but i'm like like shaking you're breathing deeply right because you're trying to like move the pleasure around you're trying to contain it you're like okay don't don't get quite to 10 yet i'm not ready so it's like this like intrinsic moving your hips it's breathing into your genitals it's like allowing touch to exist on the rest of the body that's not just your genitals it's like allowing fantasy to come in and be alive and knowing what turns you on more. There's just so many elements of it that are not taught in schools. So it's this the somatic piece of it, right? Cause you can talk about all these things. You're like, okay, move your body, breathe deeper, like lose the tension, make some sounds. And people are like, I don't know. I don't know what that looks like.
0: <laughs> no, completely. And even as my work as a dancer, specifically with Bill T. Jones, but with Kyle Abraham as well, we would often bring in community members in order to be participants within the choreographic work. And you just see the difference of dancers since the age of three who've literally been, like, had your teacher come over and touch you and tell you you're doing it wrong and say, point your toes like this. And we're just used to having touch all the time, which, you know... (laughs) that may or may not be why I'm a sex expert. I had a conversation with my mom the other day because my mom and I smoke weed together all the time. And every time I get high, I'm very affectionate with touch. And I just want to like touch her arms and in conversation, I'm like, touching her thigh. And then the other day she said to me, why, why do you keep touching me? She's like, I, 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 I don't, I'm not really into it. And of course I, respect her boundaries in the conversation. But I was also a little, I don't know, sad because I think within my friendships, one thing that I value so much is there's a lot of platonic touch, usually drug induced. <laughs> um, however, even even sober, I think like hugs and hand holding with my friends is something that I love doing Um So you can definitely see the difference of someone who's a little bit more resistant to touch. And I don't go too deep into it because I'm sure there is some type of emotional um, barrier there. And so I did want to ask you a little bit more about trauma that's held in the body. How do you as a practitioner sense it? Have you ever been in an experience where you could see that it was just like too sensitive of a touch point or it was going to bring up something maybe too emotional for that person at the time.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a huge part of the work, right. Is, um, so I start usually with every person just doing some like basic hand touching. Um, and in that, I mean, you can, you you can notice in people quite quickly if you're watching their body language and their breath and their eyes and how anxious they're becoming. Um, But I usually will just, I mean, the biggest question I ask in my work is, what are you noticing right now? Right? Like, what are you noticing in your experience right now? It's like, I'm scared to touch you. I'm scared about this. I'm like, okay, great. Do you still want to do it? Or would you like to pause? Right? And so if they're they're interested, I mean, that learning edge is where growth happens, right? So it's really like, you don't have to be enthusiastic about doing this. But if you're like, no, I want to do this because I think it's going to help me. Great. Let's go really slowly. Um, but there, there are clients who I've seen for, you know, many sessions before they're actually ready to receive touch. And those are people who've been in like some pretty serious traumatic experiences or have never had a relationship and are terrified of another person even getting close to them. Um, so it's even just like, okay, I'm going to sit on the couch beside you. What are you noticing? And like, let's, let's stay here until your body feels safe. And if your body's not feeling safe, do you want me to move a little bit? Right. So it's even this like, where is my body in relation to your body? And how can I help you feel safe? Right. And you can tell me to go away, you can tell me to come closer and my feelings aren't gonna be hurt. And then when you're ready for touch, you can ask for it. And again, this this voice and choice becomes really important because instead of me being like, I'm gonna touch you now, you actually have to say, I want you to touch me now and what a powerful thing that is.
0: Definitely. To even feel ready to receive the touch, I think is a really special place to exist within yourself.
1: Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. I have two toddlers one's a stepson and one is my daughter. And my stepson loves to have his back tickled, loves it, we will just like pause whatever he is doing. It's his off switch. So, what I know when he's 2K, I'm like, come here, I'm going to give you back tickles. Um, <laughs> and my daughter, when I try and give her back tickles, she's like, oh, so tickled. Stop, oh. no, you can't do it. And it's really interesting because sure. it's just like okay so clearly it's like it's a no for her she likes touch in a different capacity um but they're both very clear about their bodies and their autonomy they're like no my body you can't touch me or yeah you can touch me here now in this way or slower or faster or more pressure it's like it's really it's fun to hear them articulate it but giving people that that space of like um are you interested in touch? Right. And like, sometimes people aren't and like your mom can be a great example of that. Sometimes there's relationships where it doesn't come naturally or people don't want it. Right. Right. Um, and that's super normal. And I don't think any everyone is built in the way to be touched all the time, especially whatever has happened historically for them.
0: And in your work, I think you kind of set it up with your stepson and daughter. Have you noticed maybe some similarities or patterns amongst specific oppressed groups? Like maybe you can say for women, I've noticed this kind of tension or trauma or maybe like for women in our feet, we tend to be a little bit tighter than for maybe for for men or for black women or queer people. Just have there been any similarities within your practice?
1: There there are some like pretty strong um, noticings just between cis women and cis men Um, just because we we work with those groups of people so predominantly in our in our retreat settings Um, so I can say for women for cis women there's usually this like coaxing out that needs to happen it's like okay yeah like let's bring bring your fire into the container and usually for cis men it's like okay whoa slow down like, let's, let's figure out what you want instead of right. you wanting me. Like, what does your body want? Like, what do you in right. your body want? Um, so it's, it's this kind of unique, it's like a, a push and pull almost. Um, and queer, I, I work with a lot of queer people independently. Um, and it's always just so cool and unique and wonderful. It's just such like a galaxy of, you know, unexpected things that come out of it it's like bodies are are not necessarily holding the same stories in the same ways so the way that like people embody and want to be touched and felt and interacted with like there's no clear power dynamics there's no clear relational energy it's just like okay how do we how do we come up with what you need in this moment and I'm like so here for it Um, so it's been really fun and illuminating
0: So illuminating and energizing. The work that you do is brilliant. And I'm so happy that you came on and shared more about yourself and your practice and really introduced us to the world of somatic touch and somatic healing. And I can't wait to dive in more. So please, Kasha, let us know where we can find you and how we can support your work.
1: I'm on Instagram as Kasha Sobolewski. What a little mouthful, but (laughs) you can find me. My website is honeyandwater.ca. Um, I'm involved with Back to the Body, which does retreats for women, and the Apollo Project, which does retreats for men. Um, both are super, super cool. If you have the, um, you know, financial means to attend a retreat, great. If you don't, I highly recommend getting in contact anyway. Sometimes we have sponsors come in, um, and yeah, it's been a pleasure. I love talking about this stuff, and I hope to see you in the world.
0: Yes, likewise. IRL is always better than Zoom. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Kasha. Bye.